Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, and it is September the 29th, and we are going to, I think, what do you think? Think we can get through our points? Maybe. Maybe. There's more after that. So. Oh, there's more? Really? We'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a part five tomorrow, and then we'll start something new on Friday. How to think big in a world that wants to keep you small. And I think when I would, that's the title that I wrote, and the world that wants to keep you small, that little aspect of the title of this series that we're doing right now was designed to cause you to think. It was designed to cause you to feel challenged. And maybe some cases designed to cause you to feel a little bit offended because on the other side of that emotion, I'm hoping that you guys have some sort of breakthrough, some sort of epiphany that causes you to realize that maybe the world does want you to stay small and that you are designed to be or intended to be by most people in society, just a gear in somebody else's machine. And ultimately, when you start to think big and think beyond whatever maybe your previous definition of thinking big has been, just mere goal setting, and you go beyond that and you really start thinking at the next level, then what you're going to realize is truly what you want. And, you know, I'm, sometimes when I am direct like this for people that may not, might not know, love, and trust us, like all of our coaching clients and the longtime podcast listeners, I know sometimes we offend when we say this, but I'll impose upon you a thought. And the thought is what you're really seeking in life is a sense of freedom and not just that occasional sense of freedom. Oh, I had look at the rainbow and, you know, Julie and I went on our six mile walk today around the property and, you know, it was nice going on the walk and whatnot, but we were beholden to a schedule. We want to get the podcast done. We have Zoe's got strep throat again. So she's got to take three different kinds of medicines and all these other things were, you know, but the freedom that comes from not having to actually ever think about money. Not ever, look, a, a schedule like I just described to you, that's fine. But this, what I would really like all of you to understand is if you can remove the um, constant uh, fear and loathing or at least the constant omnipresent sense that you have to earn money, that money is a thing that's going to be already always overshadowing your every thought and your every movement because it does. And you don't realize it does until it doesn't anymore. And once it doesn't anymore, then you start realizing how incredible life truly can be and it causes you to think bigger. But what what happens first, right? The chicken and the egg? I'll tell you what happens first. The seeking of the sense of freedom. The idea that you can be financially free where you have a lifestyle that's where your money's working for you, you no longer have to work for your money. When you have that as your North Star, when that truly becomes the thing that you're wanting to create, that is the ultimate filter in which you run your decisions by. I think at that point, you start having a sense of clarity and purpose that maybe you'd never had before. Whereas all your previous goal setting was just essentially taking the next natural step. You know, you wanted to, you sold 50 houses this year, next year you want to sell 75, the next natural step. You have, um, you're able to run a, you know, eight minute mile. Now you want to get it down to seven minutes, the next natural step. Those are normal goals that normal people have. But what if what you're really seeking, what if what your soul truly seeks is a sense of freedom? And what if you can actually create that freedom, starting with making it so that you no longer have to worry about money? It never is an issue for you for the rest of your life. In our opinion, that is the whole point of being in business. In, in our opinion, the whole point of taking the risk 
of have you know running a small business low on a real estate business is so that you can produce enough profit and with that profit you can reinvest it and make other strategic business decisions that you are indeed living off what amounts to passive cash flow that is the sense of freedom that if you were to allow yourself to have on the other side of that is something truly extraordinary for you what are you thinking Joel well I was thinking you know how they sometimes struggle with the thought that profit is their product mm-hmm you know, and they try to make it about something else. And yes, it's about taking care of your customers and all of that is true. But why are you actually in business? It is to move the needle. And what you were describing, that ever-present worry about money. And that comes in different flavors, too. You know, I mean, when you get out of high school or college, you you kind of have it figured out. You can get month to month, figure it out, how to budget. But most people really only earn what they have to earn to get by month by month. And by getting used to that, they don't realize that that's a black cloud surrounding them. That occupies so much space in your mental and emotional self, not to mention physically going out to work, doing what you have to do, right? So when you figure out how to, I, I wanna say over earn so you can move the needle forward, right? Then you can start removing, that black cloud starts to dissipate. Well, that's the first step, right? You have to be really good that's at something. That's what I'm saying, there's stages, yeah. right? You have to get good enough at something that you can actually predictably and dupli- duplicatably create more income for yourself. So that's like stage one. A lot of people in the world never get out of that stage. Right, so she's saying, and that's absolutely true, You first thing you have to do is you have to be really, really good at something. You have to be so good at something that obviously thousands of people over time want to do business with you. You have to earn the right to essentially get to that first level. Then after that, well, along the way, really, the way we coach you to do it, is you're always focusing on the large, largest net profit you possibly can. That little widget right there is where most people, they never get to that, that, that point. Most people getting into business, real estate agents especially, but everyone nowadays, they don't build their business around profit. The profit is supposed to be something that comes one day. Or if you're building a tech company, it's going to be you actually don't want profit because profits in some um, tech companies are a sign that you're not reinvesting the money to build the company faster. You want to build the company faster, get it to market faster, beat the competition, you know, uh, innovate, innovate, right? But in a real estate business, it's a practice. And your product is not well, your product is obviously happy customers and sold houses and all the rest of it. You know, Apple's product is selling digital products, but it's also selling hardware like iPhones and Apple TVs and all the rest of it. Your product truly is, if you get to the heart of it, is profit. Well, so is Apple's for that matter. But your product as a real estate practitioner, what you should be judging your uh, acumen by as a real estate professional or a business professional is, yes, the number of houses you sold, is the number of people you help, but ultimately what it truly should be measured by is the amount of profit you made. And then with that profit, you obviously can become debt-free. With that profit, then you can start buying more assets. With those assets over time, those assets can, real estate, for example, can appreciate to the point where you become not just mildly financially secure, but you become genuinely well-off, rich, where your money's working for you and you no longer work for your money. It does take time. It does take a lot of effort. It does take long periods of time of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But there's an express, there's a um, creative uh, explosion that happens in your, it starts like as soon as that cloud is gone, it's difficult for us to describe to them. The only way we really know that cloud exists mm-hmm. is because we lived with that cloud. We were born with the sure. cloud, right? Yeah. And, and we were born, you know, we were born into it and we were, uh, as we were, it just became, it was a normal thing mm-hmm. that you had to spend a majority of your time on this planet mm-hmm. doing something so that you had a food to eat so you could take care of your sure. kids. Survival so you, mode. Right, exactly. It was, it, it's normal, it was normalized. 
that what do you what does mom and dad do? They just work for eight or ten hours a day, and when they come home, they're pissed off and grouchy because of the fact that they had to work for eight or ten hours. And then they do it again tomorrow. And then they do it again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and then they get old. Right? That's the normal thing. That is what everyone expects. You're born into that. Everyone you know does that in one form or another. But what if you decide to be the person that doesn't want to live like that? What if you become? What if you earn the right to be free from that sort of self-imposed, uh, you know, paradigm? Right? Yeah. And here's the other interesting thing: the next stage sometimes leads to a, a kind of like a more advanced version of this, right? So you figure out how to earn money at a high level. You kind of systematize that. Maybe you're somebody that you know predictably can do two or three deals a month. But then you have lifestyle creep and you have created a whole new problem for you and you have a different size of well, a why, So why do people do that? That is something because what happens is, is they have followed the first rule, right? Mm-hmm. They've realized, they've earned the right to essentially be of service to a lot of people. Sure. They're, they're now successful by all- they figured you know, that out. They're now selling lots of houses in mm-hmm. our realm, right? They're making lots of revenue. They're getting lots of awards and recognition. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is that they start to feel that, that sense of- uh, having to earn mm-hmm. starts to dissipate. In other words, the, the money becomes less of a stress to them because they now see, a, they're starting to experience abundance for the first time. Mm-hmm. They're starting to experience those first senses of fr- the freedom that comes on the other side of being rich where their money works for them, no longer work for the money. Mm-hmm. And here's what they do. And you guys listen to this because this is pretty, This is Julie and I only knew this from coaching a billion people, is they recreate the financial hardship yes. because that's where they get their motivation because that's where they feel most familiar. Because all of a sudden they were, they went from being this, you know, they started born into the world where they essentially have to be a gear in somebody else's machine. They always have to worry about how they're going to pay their bills, how they're going to feed their families, whether they're going to have enough left over at the end of the day to, you know, buy a pizza. You guys get the point. Then you go from that phase. Then you go from the phase where I can, you know, become more value to the world to the point where people are going to want to pay me a lot of money over time to provide a service to them. And then you get successful at that. And then as you become successful at that, then you start creating abundance because you get really successful at it. And then what nine times out of 10 people will do is they will railroad the path that they're on because now they're starting to, uh, they're in the unfamiliar. They're now not motivated by having to earn money anymore. Now they don't have to worry about where the money's coming in for the next two or three months. They can now look years in advance. We've had coaching clients um, one of the measures of uh, like one of the you milestones in wealth building is how much actual cash reserves do you have? Not in terms of a dollar amount, but in terms of months of your overhead. So if you have, you know, just think about this, guys. If you have $10,000, your family needs $10,000 a month to pay your bills and you've got, you know, $100,000 saved, you've basically got how many, uh, you've got 10 months worth of savings, right? You guys get the gist of it. Well, we've had coaching clients that have had 10 years worth of savings. Mm-hmm. That's how they measured their sense of financial freedom. From that, they got the sense of of security that they wanted. And from then, they could then start exploring other facets of life. But really what all of them did is they started creating more sources of income that they couldn't have otherwise done because they were so because stuck. They were, they were so stuck in the fields, plowing the fields, hoping right. to get the crops out of the ground before mm-hmm. the crows ate the corn. That's right. And yet, what did you read that uh, the average American has like less than a thousand dollars saved? Something like Something that. Something like that. I think it's four hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be like that, right? And with the real estate license, that is your. I mean, that is your ticket to freedom. That is. Your ticket to Libertas, as we say. Yeah, freedom. But you but to your point, though, Julie, lifestyle creep. Yes. That's one of the things that is very normal. So mm-hmm. you, you get to the point where you start, you know, you're at the success. And then what happens is you raise your cost of personal living. 
And by doing that, you're bringing back that pressure into your life intentionally because that's what's familiar. The stress or that dark cloud of having to be uh, always earning, that is the familiar. That's the comfort blanket, right? So you bring that back in your life Mm -hmm. opposed to allowing yourself to really fully uh, explore the sense of uh, being financially free. And that, that's the typical pattern that most people experience. And sometimes they experience it in the extreme, and you see this as well, where people will create a lot of success for themselves. And then they'll, and I, honestly, I see this mostly with men, mm-hmm. and, and then they'll destroy it. They'll destroy it through, you know, cheating on their wives. They'll destroy it through uh, overspending, taking on too much not debt. Not paying their taxes. Not paying their taxes, right. They'll de- they'll destroy it through uh, doing things like spending too much money on their business for their branding and their marketing, trying to make themselves even feel well, more. Well, it becomes a runaway train at some point. Yeah, but they know? do that intentionally. Well, they don't subconsciously. like... Subconsciously. right. They don't set out to destroy their financial, the financial freedom and success that they're uh, starting to manifest, but they do do it because it becomes unfamiliar with them. It becomes... It, it, and no one around them is uh, living a life like that. And unless you basically attach yourself to people that have transcended the having to be in the fields all day pulling up the corn, nothing wrong with being farmers. I'm just trying to create a visual for you. Uh, unless they've transcended that they're and no other people that have, they're just going to, they're, they are going to have this almost this biological imperative to go back yeah, to, to recreate it. And that, right. that happens at higher and higher levels. Until you have a coaching client come and say, you know, I need help with this. My overhead is like, you know, 80 grand a month. Most times I'm able to cover it, but I don't want to be in this rat race anymore. How how do I fix this? Because that's the same problem it was when you were graduating from college and you had to make $800 a month. You know, it's the same problem, just on a much higher, more stressful level. And that, I don't know how, I think I've, I could tell a story about a Canadian astronaut by the book we read. I'll summarize it really Mm -hmm. quick. So um, astronauts, generally speaking, become astronauts because they have a lot of innate skill and talent, but they're just basically, they've been good at most everything their entire lives, right? Mm -hmm. You can assume these were the guys and gals that had the best of the grades, had most athletic. They're achiever types and they're smart. They're achiever types with, like I said, a lot of natural. So they would be in an environment and most of the environments they were ever in, they were pretty much always the most dominant, most successful, most academic, the rock star. And then, um, you know, a lot of these uh, guys and gals, they go to astronauts school and this was in a book that we read i don't remember the name of it i do yes it's called the astronaut's guide to life on earth yeah it was great and i think it's chris hadley is the author i think that's think right that's yep right. very yeah. good julie harris and so he was telling the story about when they went to astronaut training school he was surrounded by all these people that were the best of the best and most of these guys and gals were fire pilots prior flying you know whatever it was just the absolutely not pin- slackers pinnacle human yeah. and he said to to a person when they hit astronaut training thing, when they're having to go through all that physical horribleness <laughs> combined with the mental and emotional horribleness of having to endure all the things they had to do through training, he said none of them had ever been in an environment where they were not easily, quote unquote, the best, right? They were not, they, they were now amongst all these other people that were also peak alphas. Equally rock stars. Right. And the, and there was a selection process and between not being able to easily rise to the top, easily with quotes, right? What and having to be constantly challenged, a lot of them emotionally did not ever develop the skills of having to actually compete in an environment like that. And he said almost to a person, uh, all the basically all the men, their mechanism was is to create havoc at home. Because that is something that they felt like they, you know, subconsciously, he was theorizing, right, that they would essentially create problems in their marriages. And he said a lot of these guys went in having great marriages. He knew their wives and their families. 
And because they felt out of control professionally, they needed to have a sense of control of something. And opposed to saying, I'm just in a more challenging environment that I've ever been in before, they then went to blame their marriages and their wives or whatever it was, or I suppose husbands, uh, for their lack of ability just mm-hmm. to, to easily take on this new challenge of being an, an astronaut, and they got divorced. Yeah, and, and that's that some, very interesting. But that goes to the previous point we were making, mm-hmm. why a lot of people, even when they're becoming more and more successful, mm-hmm. have a tendency to destroy it. To wreck it, yeah. And so just to, before we get to the next point, just to sort of summarize this, this train of thoughts, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully as people are vibing with it. Yeah. You know, it was Warren Buffett. It said, uh, by the way, Warren Buffett made like 95% of his wealth after the age of 61. I think some of you guys will appreciate that. But what Warren Buffett said, which I really have always appreciated, he said, America loves to celebrate the comeback story. I like to celebrate the you know business owner that made it and kept on making it, kept Did, making it. didn't make it, and then just destroy it, and then you make it again. No comeback stories, just com- constant, ever-increasing levels of success. And, and that is really, again, that gets back to a, a belief that you can't have long-term experiences of high levels of success. And it go, here's another little anecdotal analytical data point for you. When you hear about people being in the 1% and like say earning over, I think the 1%, you know, it's like less than a million dollars. But let's just say, just because I remember this bit, the number of people that earn over a million dollars in net income, not just in real estate, but in everything, for more than like two years is virtually nobody. So what you'll see is some people will make over a million dollars and it's because they sold something or they had a really great, you know, whatever, something happened, stars aligned, and then the following year they don't make that amount of money. Mm-hmm. So the number of people, to Warren Buffett's point, that have the ability, the psychological fortitude to have ever-increasing levels of success in their business and personal life is virtually nobody. Why? Because they haven't had the thoughts that we're sharing with you. They don't realize that they can be ever increasing. They don't They don't realize that they can increase all facets of their life. It's not just about making more money, but we're business coaches, so that's what we focus on for you guys. It's about increasing all aspects of your life. It doesn't have to be ups and downs, feasts and famine. It's voluntary. That thought process is, uh, or the thinking that you have to live like that or is creating that. So if you realize you don't have to live like that, you won't, you know, manifest it or you'll realize it's a choice to manifest it. Does this make sense? It does. And that leads us to our next point about how to think big in a world that wants to keep you small, which is point number eight. Ten times your thinking or 10x your thinking. If you can pay your bills on a deal every month, I mean, one of the things of this real estate boom that's created is the fact that you are somebody who's a salesperson in real estate. You know, the, the cost of a home is what is the average is, I think, over 400000 in mm-hmm. a lot of different markets. Well, I mean, it hasn't been that long ago that it was like 270 or something. Yeah, when we sold, yeah. we started out as the average it U.S. Was price. 170. Yeah, it was like 170, 175 for, yeah, the country. for the country. And then I remember when you and I uh, went full time into coaching, it crept up like 205. Yeah, I mean, it took freaking forever for that to happen <laughs> until recent times. And what's that? what has that done? It's made it so that some of you can actually pay your bills on a deal every month or even a deal every other month. And in really expensive markets, maybe three deals a year will do it for you. But think what you could do with five per month or 10 per month. Why can't you do that? Make your list and see if those excuses are actually true or not. Remember our exercise, those four parts. What do I believe? Is that belief absolutely true? Who am I or how am I behaving because I believe this? And who would I be if it weren't true? How would I act differently? In other words, if you knew that you had the ability to even 3X what you're doing. What would you be doing differently today? 
But you asked a great question. Mm -hmm. So why aren't they doing it if they can get financial security? Mm -hmm. Because most people, listeners, listen to what we're saying. Once most people have two or three months, a sense of financial security for the foreseeable future. Then after that, they stop working. They stop working. And yeah. the, the, oh, I'm still working. What are you talking about? Oh, really? How many contacts did you make? How many listings did you take? Oh, I can prove it. It's, if I call your voicemail and it's full. Right. You are not working. It's work. You might be doing work theater. That would be yeah. social networking and TikToking and Twittering. Pretend. Yeah, but that's not the real work. That's not what got you the transactions and you know it. So it's work theater. But that's the answer is because a lot of you, once you have a couple months worth of perceived financial security, you just back off. You don't do it consciously necessarily, but that is your behavior. Look at your behavior and look at the long-term ramifications of behaving like that. You know you can get to one or two or three transactions and that's going to make you a lot of money. Why don't you just follow the real estate treasure map, figure out what your real estate magic number of listings is to have at all times and build to that listing of all, have that consistency. And just to summarize that point, because it's really, just think about this. If in any market right now, if you had three listings at all times, in other words, your whole business model is to have at all times three active listings. If all three of them sell, your job is to create three more. I don't know how to create three more. That's what we teach you in the coaching program, right? But to have three listings at all times, it means in most markets at all times, you'd have at least two houses in contract, at least two. Let's say the third one's getting paint done or something, right? But you always are going to have at least two houses in contract. If all you do is stick them in the MLS and price them right, or even price them wrong, truthfully. They're, market, they're yeah. still going to sell. And and that average commission for most of you is going to be at least $20,000 or maybe even $30,000 a month from those two sales. Now, if you're in a more normal price range, maybe it's going to be fifteen or 20000 But your cost of living is also less. So you guys getting the point here? That's going to be $250,000, $300,000 a year if all you had was, you know, three listings at all times. Oh, I can, you know, how many listings have, you know, Bob, what's the maximum number of listings you ever had at once? Well, I had four. Did you, did you live? Were you able to make it? You know, did you stress out? Did you get hives? Right. Why are you not maintaining minimum four listings at all times? And then do the math. And so, again, your life becomes, and this is what we want you to open your mind to realize, this is the beauty and the simplicity of this industry, is you honestly don't need to really know how to do much anything other than proactively lead generate, pre-qualify, present, um, and negotiate, in essence. you know. And Julie would argue, and I agree with her, you know, being really great at lead follow-up. Everything else you can delegate. If you know how to proactively lead generate your listings, in a market like this, that is it. You've got the Willy Wonka golden ticket. You have won the lotto. That's it. That's all you got to do. Don't get distracted by all this other stuff because once you build up to the magic number of listings, every single month a certain number of those things are going to sell. It is not more complicated than that, so quit trying to make it more complicated. And then what you can do is you can start creating not just enough money to pay your bills, but you start creating an a extra, an amp, uh, amplified version of yourself financially. And with that money, you can buy rental properties. You can do other things. Well, uh, you've earned your freedom. Yeah, you you're, have earning, you're earning your freedom. Yeah, that's right. So point number nine, stop nerfing up your life. Nerfing up is one of your phrases. And whenever you say that, I, I ask myself if they know what that really means. I think well, they do. Uh, let, so let's describe what it means. Okay. When you and I were little kids. Well, look at the rest of the point here. Oh, okay, Julie. Okay, so, yeah. Complacency. Stop, stop, stop fighting to be comfortable. Complacency should not be the goal. So dodgeball versus Nerf ball, which makes you tougher. That's what I always think when you say that, because uh, I have this. So I'm well, sure that we have to explain. We have to explain because I'm not sure all of them grew up. On so Nerf so back balls. back in the olden days where everything was black and white. <laughs> right. OK, uh, you would go to gym class. 
and you'd get picked on if you were like Julie and I, but you'd go to gym class and they'd split the kids up into two groups and they'd, you know, you'd stand in the gymnasium and then they would give you balls. Like, I don't even know what kind of balls yeah, Kind of like a basketball type of, I mean, yeah. they were hard. And then the goal was, is to throw the ball as hard as you could at the kid on the other side. Can you imagine them doing that now? <laughs> And, and I don't know what your other – let me read your other point is so I don't step on it. Okay, here I got another example. <laughs> yeah. When, when I, ba, you know, back in the olden days, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you went to the uh, playground, yes. the ground was not nerfed up. It was hard. It was hard. Some of the stuff was rusty. Yeah. yeah. We have the scars to prove it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, and you were supposed to learn from it. I mean, that was the thing. When you, yeah. when you fell down and you bled – your parents would say, did you hurt the sidewalk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or they'd say, are you going to clean that blood up? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I'd give you guys. Did you ex- pull the glass out of your, <laughs> right. whatever. I'm trying to make you guys laugh. But yeah, hopefully- but then the onset of the Nerf ball, which is the uh, lighter, less dangerous version of, you know, normal balls that you would want to dodge. So I kind of made that similar to, are you putting, how many times a day are you putting yourself in the position to hear no? That's, that's dodgeball. You've got to be tough, right? Or are you always taking the nerfy route? How do you process hearing no? Is it just no, not right now? Or are you mortally wounded when you hear no? All right, so let's, let's pretend we're in front of a big group of people. Matter of fact, we're going to be in a big front of a big yeah, group of people week. next week mm-hmm. on Thursday in Miami. Mm-hmm. And if you guys are interested in attending, um, we're going to be, I think they're having us um, as morning. special guests in the morning. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's called C5. It's going to be in Miami, uh, uh, Montiel organization. You guys should check it out. But one of the things that Julie and I love to say, because we love the facial expressions because they're always hilarious, is because people don't know what we're going to say and they don't and they don't realize that their reaction is, I mean, it's just hilarious. Priceless. So here's what we say. Ready? Here it is, listeners. Look at yourself in the mirror as I say this so you can see what your actual unfiltered reaction is. You didn't work and you're not working. In other words, you can't count this as a day at work unless you put yourself in a position to hear the word no at least five times. So at least, unless you put yourself in a position to hear the word no, not necessarily like that, but you guys get the gist of it. And we don't mean from your kid or your spouse or your dog. From, yeah. From actual prospects. Right. A seller, ideally, where you actually are asking questions that could result in you being rejected. Unless you've done that at least five times a day, you have not worked that day. Which means pretty much everything else you're doing during the course of the day is not work. And how? Why is that? Why should that be your rule? Because if it's not, you, what you're doing is you're fighting to keep everything comfortable and nerfed up. The idea that your uh, life pursuit is going from comfort to comfort to comfort is making you nerfed up. It's making you soft around the edges and keeping you broke. The idea that your mission should just be to go to one co- warm, comfortable environment to warm, comfortable environment is going to always make it so you'll never reach your potential. And you'll get to a point in your life, probably right now, where you won't forgive yourself for it because you'll know what I'm saying is true. Those who seek comfort will always experience discomfort from the realization that the pursuit of comfort has resulted in them losing the potential they could have otherwise had for their lives. That's right. So more dodgeball, less nerf ball. That's how <laughs> Get hit in the head that. occasionally. <laughs> well, you learned to move quickly, didn't you? Nobody wanted me on their dodgeball team. No. I, 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 it, was, it was a raw deal because, you know, being our size, we would be an easy target. 
and yet we weren't. No, great, we were. We, we were, were great to be the ball thrower because that's you know, the reason our they power didn't want us. Right. Good. Yeah. We were an, we are a hard target because we were small. Yeah. But we are a crappy on their teams because we could barely get the ball to the other <laughs> exactly. side. Exactly. And we really didn't want to be in gym class anyway. There you go. All right. So <laughs> point number ten: the bigger the goals you set, the fewer distractions you can allow yourself to have. For example, Elon Musk. We talked about I think maybe once or twice this week uh, selling his. <laughs> Iron Man House is what we've kind of nicknamed it. And he said on an interview, I think with Joe Rogan, that he had these this plans to make like the most incredible engineered Iron Man type house. Um, I think it was, I want to say it was in California, but. I remember the story if you want yeah, me to tell it. Yeah, you remember. So he, he bought, it was, um, he was buying through LLCs, a whole bunch of property that was up on this hillside. You guys, if you saw the Marvel thing, uh, you know, Marvel comic book thing, Iron Man, the big ass bitchin' house that Iron Man had. And so he was building his version of that, and he was essentially had the cliff, had the vote with the Pacific Ocean view, had the land all secured, was like going a perfect with, scenario. And, and then he exactly, and he is you know one of the wealthiest people in the history of people, so he could build whatever the hell he yep. wanted, helipads, all kinds of crazy things, you know. I'm sure secret tunnels out to the ocean, James Bond stuff, whatever, right? You're Elon Musk. It's not going to be normal. You know? No, <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah. not. Uh, so um, I just had this vision of Elon Musk in his kitchen, like, you know, making like pancake mix or something. I mean, no. <laughs> no. So, so anyway, so he then basically sold all of his real estate. You guys might remember this. And then the last thing he sold, and, and a lot of people didn't know he had all this big plans for this big estate that I just described. He sold that too. And why did he sell all of it? All of it got sold. He had individual homes. He had this big, massive, you know, Iron Man complex. Uh, and he said on Joe Rogan's, I thought it was awesome. Joe asked him, uh, why'd you sell it? Why'd you do this? And, and he says, because I did not want any of my mental horsepower, his, not his words, my words, going to anything other than building rockets, improving Tesla, you know, making all the different stuff. Exactly. All the technologies that he was trying to work on, trying to, that he is creating. He did not want to have anything distracting him from the accomplishment of those goals because he knew that he only had so much bandwidth. And that I think was his answer, by mm -hmm. the way, it's a bandwidth, a bandwidth yeah, issue sure. because if he has to set aside an hour or two a day intentionally working on the house, and then the software, like he's going to be thinking about working on the house in the back of his mind when he's working on some Tesla improvement. And that takes up some of his bandwidth that he could have otherwise basically evolved this particular. Yeah, and that's coming from a really seriously smart dude saying that, right? But so that's, think that, about the that's average big human. thinking. Yes, but it think, is. Think about the ramifications of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So not only did he not feel this uh, challenge to create this big monument to himself, which is mostly sure. what big houses are, mm -hmm. it's big award, big you know recognition thing. But not only did he the, the acknowledgement that he could only handle so many things at a high level, mm -hmm. at the highest of levels, and at his level he could handle three or four things at a high level. That's extraordinary. Well, and that is point number ten. The bigger the goals you set, the fewer distractions you can allow yourself to have. Yep. And you just have to come to terms with that. So point number 11, accept the fact that everything in life that's worth doing, being, having in life will take longer than you want it to. So what do you do with that? Well, you better get started sooner rather than later knowing sure. that, you know, it's going to take a while. And we've talked before on this podcast that it's not impossible, but as you get older, it does become more difficult to reignite yourself and to feel like working at that highest level. And, you know, you can't predict how you're going to, even, even if you're not that much older, you know, five or 10 years from now. You don't know what you're going to be going through, well, but you do know what you have today. It's the momentum, right? Mm -hmm. If you buy a rental property when you're in your 20s, 
over time, that rental property is going to increase in value. It's going to increase in rent. But if you then try to go buy that rental property, so like you could have bought one when you were 25 and by the time you were 50, that thing was going to go up by four or five X. The rent would have gone up by four or five X. And be almost paid off. And, or paid off. And that thing's going to be a really profound investment for you versus buying one when you're 50. You then, you don't have that same advantage unless you pay cash for it. You don't have that same advantage and the same benefit. It's the compounding interest sure, conversation. Absolutely it is. But there's a lot of things in life like that. Your, your skills compound, your relationships compound in a good or a bad way, right? Your everything compounds as long as, but definitely to Julie's point, the younger you start in your pursuit of financial freedom, of being free, of libertas, which is Latin for freedom, the younger you start on that mission, the more probability you have of, well, you'll accomplish it eventually, but the more you can accomplish it at a higher level, right? So if you start when you're 50 on your pursuit, you still have plenty of time to accomplish a crazy, incredible life. But had you started 25 years prior to that, by the time you were 50, you'd already be financially free had you stayed the course, maybe a couple little side trips here and there, but for the most part, you stayed the course. And then by the time you're 60, then you're going to be at extraordinary levels. That's exactly it. So do we have time for more points? Or yeah, hell yeah. Okay. All right. So point number 12, I've never met a rich skeptic. Don't let your naturally skeptical nature be your undoing. Look for reasons you can succeed versus justifying your failure. That could be an entire You podcast. did not credit me so, for that comment, by the way. I was about to. Oh, okay. Yes, that's, that's you know, one of your sayings. I've never met a rich skeptic. Why is that? Well, it, because you the, there's no way that you can have... Little skepticism is fine, sure. right? That's Hel caution, healthy totally normal, right? Sure. But some people will never look for reasons to say yes to anything. And again, this is a function mm -hmm. of age too. Mm -hmm. But younger people do this too. They'll look for reasons to say no. Mm -hmm. And then they justify the, the saying no or being overly skeptical as intellect. But what really it is is fear. Some people have, analytical people in particular, they won't, they'll use skepticism and their desire to know it all before they take action well, it's on It's a it. form of procrastination. It's procrastination, which goes back to basically fear. And ultimately, mm -hmm. it's about being lazy too. Because mm -hmm. it's easy to find fault in anything. You can find fault in the best of ideas. You could find fault in the iPhone. You could find fault in everything that right now you take for granted as being the best thing ever. In its early uh, in its early adaption phase, you could have found fault with it. Now you can find fault with it. Every electric cars, I can find. You know, well, how about the internet? You, it's awesome when it works. Yeah, well, I mean, but you guys get the point. So the there the fact is is being rich and being a skeptic do not go hand in hand. And rich is where your money works for you. You know it work for your money. So you can be a skeptic and act like you know it all until the cows come home. But you will keep yourself broke. And you got to get the at the core of what that is. It's fear, and sometimes it's just laziness laziness from not wanting to. Uh, take action. And by the way, that quote that I that you read that I said that came out when I was talking once to Brad Inman. Oh, and we were talking, and we were talking. It was that. just, yeah, you know, it was just something in conversation that I said because he and I were talking about um, people's reluctance to open their minds to essentially the evolution of ideas and thoughts mm -hmm. as pertained to real the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about some of the legacy companies and how they they have lots of reasons the big brands for not being able to evolve. Mostly they're contractual because they're franchises. Sure. And then you see something that's truly disruptive like EXP, which is, I think, the reason I was talking mm -hmm. to Brad about it. Mm -hmm. And this was maybe three, four years ago when everyone was like, oh, what's EXP? How can this? Da, 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 da. But now everybody, all the big brands want to copy EXP Realty, but they can't because they're tied to these legacy contracts with franchises. So I had somebody the other day ask me, Tim, who do you think is going to be or what will uh, disrupt uh, the disruptor EXP Realty? Mm -hmm. And the answer is 
nothing mm-hmm. because exp has too much advantage right now mm-hmm. so you, you momentum you, you can't have one of the existing legacy brands all of a sudden come out and say we're going to compete with the xp realty we're going to take their unique selling propositions and replicate them because they legally can't so that means it's going to have to take some new upstart with an unfathomable amount of money to actually replicate what exp has created and is that going to happen it, it could it could but it's unlikely and even if they did it's still going to take them a long time here i'll give you an example tesla versus everybody else. Tesla is ahead of everybody else by at least five years. EXP Realty is ahead of, of everyone else by at least five years, maybe even more than that. That's called that's uh, the very definition of thinking big and setting big goals. That's what Glenn Sanford did. And that's the reason all of you guys should be looking at EXP Realty as the next natural progression in what you're doing in your industry, or rather in your you know real estate uh, practice. And Julie and I would love to talk with you about earning the right and the honor to be your sponsor at eXp Realty. If you want to talk with Julie and I about that, there's two ways you can go about it. If you're just curious about eXp Realty, text the letters EXP to 47372. Text the letters EXP to 47372. Or if you're ready to join eXp now and you're just looking for a sponsor that's going to be very proactive in your success at eXp Realty, Julie and I are formally applying for the job. And if you're looking for a sponsor, haven't chosen one yet, Text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Don't call, text, and we'll have the conversation about eXp Realty. Julie Harris, next point. All right, then our final point for today, number 13, complacency. Good old complacency. Always be loading new software. 98% of your thoughts happened yesterday at about the same time of day. That doesn't leave any room for new thoughts. You've got to actively replace some of that software. It's not just thoughts, it's actions, right? Sure. Most, again, but this this goes back to the having to be beholden to earning money Mm -hmm. opposed to being financially free. Because then what happens is you you get into this it's groundhog day of life right mm-hmm. and uh there's there's something absolutely soul crushing about that mm-hmm. but you don't have a choice because you have to earn the money right yes. in our society in america in particular you take out debt and and it's an in, it's basically i don't know if you guys know what indentured servitude is and i'm not critical of the you know our uh our capitalistic uh, you know, economic system. But the reality of it is, is when you take out debt, you have a mortgage, you have car payments, you have tuition bills, you have this, that, the other thing. You are essentially, you're still, an, you are an indentured servant to the debt, into the debt holders. And if you stop paying for your house, you lose your house. And so there's very little opportunity for you to have any new thoughts, let alone become a different, evolve as a person, emotionally and financially, even spiritually, if you're so busy trying to keep what you've already got. The system knows what truly motivates people is not working towards a goal. It's fear of losing something you already have. So as young people, if people get into debt really early in college, you know, and then they're still, you're, they're encouraged to get more and more and more debt. If you're so busy trying to keep the things you have, trying to meet the obligations that the past version of you, you know, made, you're never going to have an opportunity to have thoughts that will result in you being free. Does this make sense? It does. So how do you defeat that? Well, you have to increase your exposure to bigger, better, different things and people and places. This is one of the reasons travel, you know, it's funny. I always think about travel when we do this point because most people, assuming that you have traveled, don't you have like really vivid vacation memories? It's because it's different than doing the 98% over and over every single day. Okay, so what you're touching on is presence. So mm-hmm. when you are every, so the reason that most people slip into neutral 
and just start being habitual with the way they go about leading their lives is because Julie's point, point number 13, everything, all the thoughts and all the actions that they're doing happen at virtually, if not the same time every single day. So their brain basically, they're no longer present. They're no longer, everything starts to look muted. Their emotions start to look muted. They start doing things to sort of, you know, dull the pain and really sometimes the, the mental agony of this repetitious boredom lifestyle. And so they drink and they overeat and they start taking on just different silly things. But when you go on vacation, especially if you go on a vacation to where the, uh, you've never been in that environment before and the people maybe don't look like you and the people don't speak the same language as you and you're surrounded by sights and smells that aren't familiar to you, we, the reason that you remember those things so acutely is because there was nothing familiar about it and you are present in the experience. Something inside of you came alive and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm smelling. This is not <laughs> Look smell. At the world. This does not smell like my world. You're not consciously thinking this. Your brain is ingesting all this information. It looks, people look different, sound different. They're, I mean, I when it's the travel is the greatest gift you can give to yourself for sure. You're asking me, you asked the question, Julie, what are they supposed to be taking from these points? Mm -hmm. What are they, and you mentioned travel and you mentioned exposure and all those things, sure. environment, that's all important. But here's really at the heart of what all of what we're hoping you'll get from listening to Julie and I on this podcast. And thank you for continuing to make this the number one list to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. What we're really hoping you get is that little spark. If all you do for a moment, for a micro moment, is you get inside of you that little sense of freedom. That little, you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've never had it or haven't had it for a long time, but the feeling of almost like being in love, right? The moment you have that you new- You feel more alive. Right, you feel more alive. Julie was using the example of you know being on a vacation and having experience you've never had before. But haven't you ever had that like that spark that you know uh, the divine? Uh, what was the thing? What's it called? You know what I'm talking about. I do. You'll remember you it in a second. Me too quick, yeah. Right, but that little moment, that little epiphany, that little gift that comes from something beyond you. That's what we're hoping you get from these points. Because here's the thing: if you get that little spark, it only takes a tiny, tiny little a feeling. Of, uh, of resonance with what we've been describing for you. Once you've got it, you will never let it go. You're going to remember well, you're that. Addicted to it. You're, well, if you only experience it once, then you're going to want it again, and you're going to do everything in pursuit of having more of that uh, sense of what it is, which is freedom. That little spark, that little sense of no longer having to be, you know, a hamster in the hamster wheel, of being able to be financially free. If you're feeling that from listening to these words. What we're telling you, we're giving you little breadcrumbs of things you can do, but really what it takes is the is the belief, but just beyond belief, the absolute, uh, I don't even know, the words are, I can't even think of words that are strong enough, but you cannot let that spark go. You have to have your North Star being financially free. And nothing inside of you, once you've felt that feeling, is going to be the same. Nothing is going to be the same. You're going to, all of a sudden, everything you're going to be, you're, that thought, that emotion is going to become, and in a good way, a black hole. And it's going to pull everything else in, whether you want it to or not, because you've all of a sudden experienced something that some people will never allow themselves to experience. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. So listen, guys, hopefully you love this podcast. Help us to continue to grow the podcast listenership. 
uh, do give us a five-star review on Amazon. If you want the notes that we use for today's show, we always post our notes. Uh, they won't, generally speaking, appear on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and you know Amazon. They're, they will be on timandjulieharris.com. So if you want the podcast and the podcast notes, just go to timandjulieharris.com. If on iTunes or any of the other podcast listing devices, please do give us a five-star review. We certainly appreciate it. And as always, you, can, you guys can text us what's going on in your lives, what's going on in your business. Uh, thoughts and, and ideas for the podcast, just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. And as always, if you guys want to learn more about our premier coaching program, text the word success, text the word success to 47372. And when you do, you will be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. All these new member coaches are always personally trained by Julie and I. And uh, another announcement to all of you, the thousands of you who are in our premier coaching program, we are about to have a relaunch of the program you're already in. You're going to start hearing about that more and more. Do not worry. It's not going to cost you any extra money. You are going to be upgraded to the new program for free. Those of you who have not yet joined the premier coaching program and you want to avoid the increase in price, I encourage you strongly to join now under the old pricing regime so you get the benefits of the new product without having to pay the uh, added price. We're adding more coaching calls. We're adding more content. We're adding more ways for you guys to interact and grow faster. Uh, but do consider joining our coaching program. Go over to timandjulieharris.com, click on coaching and click on uh, premier coaching and that is the pathway forward for you. Or if you'd like to speak with one of our new member coaches, there's lots of ways to get a hold of them on timandjulieharris.com. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we will talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.